Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the TF1 podcast. This is your host, Trey. Welcome to the USGP review. Let's go. So here for another race weekend, everybody, it's always exciting to be in Austin, Texas at the track Coda. Uh, this is a venue that all the drivers and all of us as fans, we always look forward to it. It's just an amazing venue. The town and the people, there is record turnout. So it's always just fantastic to be here. And on top of that, uh, different from last year, this this USGP actually has a sprint format. So, you know, they changed it up a little bit. So, of course, anytime you have, you know, a sprint weekend, you know everything is going to be really condensed and different. Of course, qualification is on Friday as opposed to Saturday when the sprint race takes uh, takes place. So you have all kinds of elements going on, okay? So before I get into, usually I'll always tell you guys before the race review, I'll go over the results of what qualifications were and also from the sprint weekend. And then I'll briefly just kind of jump into, there's some important underlying news um, just coming into this weekend before the race weekend started. So I'll hit that real quick and then we'll go from there, okay? So in uh, qualification on Friday, the top three finishers is Charles Leclerc, second was Lando, and third was Lewis Hamilton. So just looking at that lineup, of course, that lets you know, um, you know, right away a name that we always expect, uh, but we missed. You're wondering to yourself, well, where's the Max Verstappen's name? Uh, what happened was this is yet another weekend of track limits. And because of that, um, the Max actually had a lap good enough for pole, but because he had exceeded the lines, that that um, uh, time was deleted. So he went from starting first uh, to starting from sixth place. Okay, so that kind of demoted him down. But this was also an early indication in the weekend for you of how improved and how close the times were between Ferrari, McLaren, and Mercedes, and especially Mercedes. Let's highlight them real quick, and I'll get into detail a little bit later. This was an anticipated weekend um, for Mercedes because keep in mind, this is the last of the races where they would bring a major upgrade. So they brought a new floor uh, to, to this race, and immediately from the jump, like from, you know, forget about Saturday, from their Friday practice, from the first practice, um, it was very evident, especially in the hands of Lewis Hamilton, just how competitive the car was. It was alive. And even um, during interviews that Lewis Hamilton gave, he mentioned literally from the first time he started driving, he had a really good feeling. So when a driver feels that right away, that's usually always a great sign, okay? So that was qualification for you. For the sprint weekend, the top three were Max first place, Lewis second place, and Charles Leclerc third place. So you can see there's consistency there with Leclerc and Lewis, 
um, you know, definitely Lando on Friday in qualification. All these guys were really close together. All right. And as I mentioned to you guys before I jump into the race analysis, uh, I did mention uh, there were some. You can say big news, but it, this has been bubbling for a while, um, kind of undercurrents of this news. And that is basically the tension that keeps on really getting bigger with the the recent comments that are coming from the FI president, Ben Suleiman. This is regarding, you know, Andretti which we know just, I think I mentioned this in the last podcast. So they were allotted a slot as a 11th team joining the grid by the FIA. Now, again, I know it may have been a couple of episodes before, but I've gone through this process with you guys before briefly. So whenever you're a new team, and this has been a process that's going on for almost a year now, you know, Andretti has to submit a lot of documents. There were other potential teams trying to get in, but finally the only entry uh, team that got the green light from the FIA is this Andretti team, okay? Now, the Andretti team, as you guys know, also has a tie-up with GM, okay? So, this is, you know, kind of a big racing name in the, not in F1, obviously, but just in other different categories. Um, there has been quite a contentious, um, you can say, back and forth between the teams and Andretti. And of course, Andretti, especially, you know, Mr. Andretti himself, not not senior, but junior, um, he has been making comments in the press that really did not win him any favors with the F1 teams. But it sounds like somebody has got to him and, and really got to his ear and, and mentioned to him that the best thing for him to do is to be quiet. Uh, you angering the teams that now have to grant you access into F1, that's just not smart businessman. I mean, that's not smart decision. So, I think, you know, he's learned his lesson and over the past four or five months, um, he's been kind of very limited on his outbursts uh, to the media. OK, so as I mentioned to you guys, the FIA proving it is just one section. That's that's one part of the process. Now, the actual the FOM, which is basically the Formula One management and the teams who basically, I mean, if you think about it, really, F1's hands are with that entity. So the FIA is just the organization that runs F1, okay? I know it can get a little complicated, and I'm not going to dive too deep, but so what I'm trying to say is, yes, they've, they've passed the first kind of a barrier, but they are facing a major, major barrier with the teams as far as Andretti goes. So we're going to have to wait and see how that is going to play out. And for everybody wondering, hey, you know, of course, we would love to see a new team, a new competition and a new tie up. Of course, as fans, we may think that and I completely get that and understand that. But if you are the teams, just to give you another perspective, the thing that's important that you have to keep in mind is these teams have gone through 
you know, personally investing, if you take the top teams like Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull, each of them, and as an example, I'm going to highlight Mercedes, since their F1 involvement and since they've bought the team, this team has spent upwards, if you actually collectively look at it from the factory, R&D, R &D and, uh, and all those things, if you combine, these guys have spent in the neighborhood of over 700 or 800 million plus, okay? So that's a huge, huge investment that these guys have gone through. The same thing for Ferrari, the same thing for Red Bull. And, you know, the other teams, of course, have spent a lot of money, but not on the level of the top teams that I mentioned. So if you as an organization have spent that much money and now, you know, between all the 10 teams, you guys are sharing the pot. Think about another new brand new team coming in and the entry fee they're going to pay is literally just $250 million. Well, guess what? That $250 million setup fee was, that was a number implemented many years ago. The value of these teams, most of these teams has skyrocketed to almost a billion dollar and nobody's selling. So if you think about it, how unfair is it that, you know, I, uh, as a team, an organization have spent over a billion dollars and here I am. If you come into the sport and you're paying one fourth or one fifth of what I've invested, but now I'm going to get less prize money because of you coming into the sport. Well, I can definitely understand what their gripe is. Okay. So in a nutshell, that's what that is. And without, like I said, spending too much time, this is going to be a very, very important uh, battle going on in F1 between the different fractions. So that's why I wanted to make sure I highlighted that to you guys. And we're going to we're going to have to wait and see how this plays out. OK, so jumping into the race now, as I told you guys, we set up qualifying and sprint. So it was a beautiful day during the race. And the question was, of course, we know that Max is now starting from the start. Of course, he's starting from sixth place. But between all the drivers and even us as spectators, you know, it, it's kind of that inevitability that we understand. So we know that it's just a matter of time that Max is going to, you know, has, you know, sustained speed to come up. We just don't know what lap that's going to happen. Okay. So at the start, um, and this has been the case now several times this year, the McLarens, especially in the hands of Norris, I don't know what type of start sequence Norris has. And I've mentioned this before. Norris is just so aggressive and his reflex time is so incredibly fast that he made another blistering start. Um, and unfortunately, Lewis um, actually did not have the best of starts. So... Uh, Leclerc and the Ferrari had a good start. Uh, like I said, Lewis, the, the start, and this is for the third or fourth time now, um, you know, with the Mercedes. It, funny enough, it's not just Lewis, actually, Russell also, who was, you know, I have to mention Russell. Russell, with this new upgrade uh, of Mercedes, this weekend, he was really a contrast to Lewis Hamilton. Like Lewis Hamilton was really reacting to the car. He was posting fast times. 
curiously this weekend, and I don't know um, if the new upgrade maybe has not suited um, Russell as as you know as it has suited Lewis. Uh, it, it's we don't see Russell this far back typically, but this weekend he was. He was he was starting from seventh place. And just like Lewis, he also did not have the best of starts. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, some people were speculating the side of the track that uh, Lewis was on and, and other drivers. That side was not very conducive. And again, uh, you know, I don't know if there's uh, merit to that or not. But so they didn't have the best of starts. But so the other guys got away quickly. Okay. So you are now seeing, you know, there's, of course, the, the normal chess game that has begun. You're seeing Charles Leclerc. And like I said, you're seeing Louis Lando and down the line, you know, Perez for yet another weekend um, has not been able to really maximize. And of course, you know, rumors continue to swirl. He just, really does not have a handle for that Red Bull car. And at this point, you can't say anything else outside of, you know, there must be some type of mental block because he continues to underperform weekend after weekend. So he's down the order, but you're now seeing, you know, that 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 track is very bumpy um, in Austin. So we have to keep that in mind and, and that's actually going to be really re relevant later on um to the breaking news that happened after the race but I'll, I'll get to that so as we're looking at the race so like i was saying to you guys so you see several passes that happen now you're waiting to see what you know as far as strategy um, who is going to execute first and what kind of strategies to the, uh, do the different teams have? Now, surprisingly, um, one of the things we didn't expect was um, Max Verstappen, actually Red Bull and Max Verstappen, he was making really good headway, but they decided to make an early pit stop. And now what you wanted to see is how are the cars around him going to react? So how's McLaren going to react and how's Mercedes going to react with Hamilton? And so kind of one of the first chess pieces here is once Max and the team decided to do the early pit stop and take that, McLaren followed suit in order to cover Max. Okay, so they went ahead. They did the pit stop with Norris. Um, now, you can see that Mercedes, you know, of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. We now see that. So they decided to leave Hamilton out. And so what it looked like was Mercedes was trying to do an offset strategy. So we find out now that what they had contemplated at the time is they were going to see if they can make a one stop strategy work. OK, so when Max Verstappen was in, that was a chance for uh, Lewis Hamilton to do some fast laps. So unfortunately, what happened was there was a point where he um, there's a turn that he actually went wide. He picked up some marbles, lost quite a bit of time and ruined the tires a little bit. So there was a combination of things that in retrospect, looking back now, that kind of hurt 
Lewis Hamilton's chances, even though he was setting really, really good times. Okay. So, like I said, McLaren decided to cover. Now you see the Ferrari guys with, uh, with, uh, signs and Charles Leclerc, they had a little bit of a tussle at the front, but Leclerc was still able to kind of advance. So that was happening. All right. Now behind him, even though, um, he's making some headway. Piastri did not have the usual weekend he was going to have. And then midway through the race, he actually had a collusion with another car. Piastri did. Um, I believe it was one of the Alpines. So um, the other car that he hit retired. And then after that, it was clear to McLaren, I guess they were looking at their telemetry and it was quite a bit of damage um, that, um, Piastri had on the side of his car and they decided to go ahead and retire the car. So it was not the best of weekends for Piastri. So they go ahead and calling it, they call him in. Okay. So when that happens, now you're seeing Max, you know, do his usual aggressive, uh, takeovers. And by the way, you know, something to keep in mind this was not the most comfortable of weekends for Max. You can tell that, especially Mercedes, their pace was actually a certain parts of the track on par with the Red Bull. And I want to take you guys to, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pressing the little fast forward button <laughs> real quick. Max, after the race, actually said if they had executed the right strategy, Mercedes and Hamilton could have won today. Now, this is from Max, okay? The winner of the race, this is what he said after the race. So that underlines to you guys how close Mercedes was and what kind of leap they made, at least on this track with their new floor. That's the type of pace that they have. Of course, again, like I said, I'll get to the unfortunate news um, that happened after the race that affected Mercedes and that also affected Ferrari. All right. So as the race was going on, uh, for example, Haas had brought an upgrade to the race. So they, they, uh, an upgrade to their car. So they saw some good, um, pace from their car as far as from the back of the grid. Um, you did see, a. a another car, you know, Russell was not making the headway that we expected. He, you know, it seems like he was still struggling. So that allowed Perez to kind of jump ahead, even though he still had, Russell had a, a good race that just allowed, um, that just allowed Perez to at least, you know, even though he didn't crack the top three to make some headway from the back that he was. Okay. So keep that in mind. So now by the time Mercedes decide to go ahead and get Lewis Hamilton in, again, it's hindsight is 2020. You can tell that there was indecision in their strategy making. So because they were thinking about doing a one stop, then they decided because he was losing a little bit of time and he went, um, he went off and that affected his tires. They now switched it to a two stop strategy. Now, when they did that, unfortunately for Lewis Hamilton, they also had a pit stop that was not good. Okay. So when you combine those things together, you know, every millisecond counts, especially when you're chasing Lando and you're chasing Max Verstappen. Okay. So 
in retrospect, that kind of hurt Hamilton a little bit, even though he had a fantastic weekend, okay? While I'm mentioning the guys up front, I have to mention to you guys another team, and that's Austin Martin. Austin Martin had... We've been talking about, and I've been mentioning every podcast, they've just had such a severe decline from the pace that they had at the beginning of the year, you know, where these guys were coming top three, top four, top five, and there's been just a huge decline. Now, to make matters worse, this weekend they came in, like like I told you guys, with big upgrades, and not only did the upgrades not work, they were actually having mechanical issues. And when you have a sprint race weekend, this is why Max uh, Verstappen has actually complained about the, the sprint weekends. The problem is you you really don't have enough time. You don't have the three practice sessions you usually don't have. So they just had one practice session. They were having major issues. And Alonso actually asked to go back to the previous spec. You know things are bad on an upgrade when a driver says, please give me the old spec. So it it was a miserable day for Austin Martin. But to come back to the race, so as Max is making headway, and like I said, Lewis was holding station, he was, you know, he was holding station pretty good. He made really good advances to actually pass the Ferraris and uh, also Norris. He, He had a brilliant pass, Hamilton did, in order to secure second place. Now, what has to be said is during the race, Max was actually pretty angry over the radio. One of the things that was happening was he was experiencing pretty bad brake issues. So um, he was nursing that. It's amazing as a driver, right, for you to be going through that in the cockpit and for you to, to finish the race in first place. That's amazing, right? So he was having that issue and kind of having some heated exchanges with his engineer. Okay. So at the, at the close of the, you know, as, as the race is coming to an end. So we have another historic finish from Max. And so the race finishes and this is his 50th. Now this is again, a historic milestone. This would become Max 50th win. And second place comes Hamilton and securing third place comes Norris. Okay. So we have that happen, which was, you know, great weekend for Mercedes. Of course, another solid weekend for McLaren. And then, um, and I alluded to to you guys um, at the beginning of the podcast that there was breaking news after the race. So a couple of hours later, we get the shocking news that, the Mercedes team and Lewis Hamilton and from the Ferrari team, Charles Leclerc have actually been disqualified. Okay. And, and like I said, it's just, you hear that and you go, what? So the news comes out that the FIA has said the reason for the disqualification is, um, so there's scrutiny that's done by the FIA um, regarding the planks that are under all the cars, okay? And those planks cannot be below a certain designated millimeter um, that the FIA designates. So that means when you have your car at a certain ride height, when you set it up for a certain ride height, you just have to make sure that the plank doesn't doesn't wear um to below the designated amount, okay? Now, 
when I dove and I dug deep into it to understand, so how is it that just these two cars, Leclerc and uh, Hamilton, how is it like that they were the ones that were inspected and they, they failed inspection? And my other question was, so did the Red Bull car of Max Verstappen also get checked? Okay, and how about Norris's McLaren, which came third? So my understanding was, so they actually commandeered and checked four cars and they actually looked at the top four. So that was Max Verstappen's Red Bull, that was Lewis's um, Mercedes, that's Charles Leclerc's Ferrari, um, I think I said four teams. Yeah, so that that's three different teams, okay, that they looked at. And, and no, four different teams, because that includes Red Bull as well. Yeah, correct. Sorry. So that's four different teams they looked at. Now, out of the four drivers, two of them did not pass the scrutinizing. So you have to say to yourself, so out of the four they tested, 50% failed, okay? So that means there were possibly other drivers that weren't checked that got away with that right height that weekend. So let's quickly talk about what was the reason behind, um, like, for example, Mercedes not, not passing this um, scrutinizing. Well, the reason, guys, is it's a combination of different things. One, it's a sprint weekend. Okay, so when these teams set up the, the cars, they don't have the amount of time that they have with the three practice sessions. So on Friday, they almost have to guesstimate, you know, how much wear there's going to be because this is not your typical Friday practice, Saturday qualifying a race. You also have a mini race with the sprint weekend on Saturday. That's the first factor. Here's the second factor. So Coda in Austin, the, the racetrack they were at this weekend is really one of the most bumpiest tracks on the calendar. So what that means is the wear on the plank of the cars is much, much more than a lot of the ordinary racetracks that the teams go to. So that was another huge contributing factor. So when they set up the cars, so this affected, like I told you guys, Ferrari, this also affected Mercedes. So when they set up the cars, you sometimes, especially with the new floor that Mercedes brought, again, you don't have the time scale and the time that you normally have on a race weekend. So that's what led to this problem. Um, I, I was also... Um, interested to know that um, Red Bull actually raised the, the right height of their car a little more than usual, um, just as a precaution. So they, they kind of went the opposite direction. And of course, hindsight is twenty twenty. I've said that several times during this podcast. So now looking back, that probably was the move Ferrari and Mercedes should have made just to be on the cautious side. But that's actually what caused um, those two teams, as the explanation I gave you, in order to fail um, 
the scrutinizing. Okay, so that was breaking news, and uh, I know a lot of people are mad at the FIA, but you know they do these checks all the time. So it was unfortunate, but um, so that took away a lot of crucial points for Lewis Hamilton. You know, um, that's a big loss because he's going against. Uh, trying to get Perez second in the Drivers' Championship. Of course, that was a, also a big loss to Ferrari and Leclerc. They lost a lot of points. So, But what can you do? This is unfortunately the realities of racing, and I hope that doesn't happen again. Okay? Well, everybody, that brings us to the conclusion of this USGP review. As always, from wherever you're listening, really appreciate you from every part of the globe. You can also uh, look at the TF1 podcast on our Twitter page or X as it's now known. And please continue to support the podcast. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Take care.